We're in a sermon series talking about the power of our words, the power of our speech, the things we say. The Bible's very, very, very clear about uh, being careful about the way we talk, making sure that our tongue is under the control of the Holy Spirit. Um, first of all, I want to say, Golden Chosen, we love you. Can I have all my Golden Chosen folks stand up? Would you just stand up and let us see you? This is our ministry to the seasoned saints of Whitley Church. Let's give it up for them. Our leaders over here, Donnie and Janice, and I know Shirley and uh, Raymond uh, lead in that ministry as well, and uh, we just appreciate you all so much. And uh, for those of you from up north, um, that deputy sheriff, um, what we're going to do is make another DVD that you can purchase that has the words underneath so you can understand Southern talk. But let me, let me say to those of you that are not from around here that God talks like we do. I just want to say that, okay? All right. I'm going to tell a humorous story, so therefore at the end of it, I'd like some laughter. Just want to go ahead and put that out there because sometimes y'all forget to laugh. Um, Mildred was the church gossip. <clears throat> she was also that self-appointed monitor of the church's morals. Y'all know, Mil you met a Mildred? Okay. Um, she kept sticking her nose in other people's business and several members did not approve of her extracurricular activities but feared her enough to maintain their silence. She made a mistake though uh, when she accused George who was a new member. He didn't really know her that well and uh, she accused him of being an alcoholic after she saw his old pickup truck parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon, and she emphatically told George and everybody else, she could tell, that everybody knew what he was doing when they saw his truck in front of the old bar. So George, he was a guy that didn't say very much. He was a man of few words, and he just stared at her for a moment and then just turned and walked off. He didn't explain. He didn't defend himself. He didn't deny what she said. He just didn't say anything. Later that evening, George quietly parked his pickup truck in front of Miss Mildred's house and walked home and left it there all night. Now, I do not suggest that behavior. I would just say about George that he's extremely creative. <laughs> You know, the Bible says uh, vengeance is mine, and George got in on God's territory there just a little bit, got some revenge. Somebody said the reason God said vengeance is mine is because he wanted it all for himself because it felt so good, you know. <laughs> the author of the book of James, let's talk about that just a little bit. We haven't mentioned that in the series, and as I was studying and uh, preparing for this message, I came across just some very simple information, but it may be helpful to you. The book of James begins in James 1 and 1, and we won't even put that verse up. If you want to look at it in your Bible, you can. But it just begins by saying, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes of Israel, the Jewish people, which are scattered abroad, greetings. So all it says is, James, a servant of God. Well, that could be really... Um, one of several Jameses that are mentioned in the scriptures. There are three of them. There's James the son of Zebedee and James the son of Alphaeus 
and James, the brother of Jesus, and I thought you would find it interesting that most great Bible scholars believe that it was Jesus' brother, James, who wrote this book, though it does not clearly say that. In this book of James, um, he speaks like a pastor. He, he has the heart of a pastor, and he is just speaking about uh, the way his congregation needs to behave. I gotta tell you something, man. When you do a study of the book of James, you will find out he, he did not worry about what people thought about him. He just put the truth out there. He was not uh, PC, politically correct. As a matter of fact, uh, there's one passage where he talks about how Christians are guilty, and we are guilty of this, of looking at the word of God and then walking away and forgetting what we saw. He actually talks about the word of God being a mirror and reflecting back on us, and we know it's talking to us, yet we walk away and forget it, forget what we saw. There's also a wonderful passage in there about prayer, and I believe that begins in chapter four. But we're gonna focus on chapter three. Now, James is deeply, deeply concerned about the way Christians talk. He's deeply, deeply concerned. He's not talking to unbelievers here. He's not talking to the guys that were in the bar that George parked in front of. He's talking to us. James is talking to us, and he's saying, watch your mouth. Watch what you say. Be careful about what you say. He mentions the power of words in all five chapters of his book. But in chapter three, he focuses on on it and just kind of drills down. And that's where our sermon series has come from, is James chapter three, verses one through 12. Now let's look at what we've already discovered. He gives us in chapter three, verses one through 12, five reasons why we need to make sure that our tongue is under the control of the Holy Spirit. First of all, he says you need to do that because your words can condemn you. They can condemn you. I know that's true, don't you? He says, secondly, we need to make sure the Holy Spirit is in control of our tongue because our words, if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't control our words, our words will control us. The third week of this series, we learned that our words can corrupt us. So we need to make sure they're under the power, control of the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week we learned that the tongue is very resistant, very combative against any kind of control and especially the control of the Holy Spirit. So we talked about that. Now, if you missed any of those messages and you wanna hear them, you can go online on the Bridge website, bridgechurch.cc or Whitley Church and listen to the sermons absolutely free. We also have CDs, all of that if you're interested. What we wanna talk about today, and this is the final sermon in the series. Now here's what we're gonna do. Next weekend, next Sunday, I'll be talking about Thanksgiving. Be sharing Thanksgiving. And i tell you what will also happen next week. I'm gonna talk about the future of our church a little bit. I'm gonna talk about our future. I'm gonna talk about some things we're gonna to have to do a little bit differently if we're gonna reach more people. Anybody here interested in reaching more people for Jesus? So, so we're gonna talk about that next Sunday and some uh, things we're gonna have to do a little bit different to make sure we're more effective at that. Then after Thanksgiving, 
beginning in December, I'm going to preach a series of messages entitled, Who is Jesus? Now, you're probably sitting out there going, duh, I think I know who Jesus is. Um, But what we're going to do is drill down deep, and we're going to get a a confidence. You, You know, when you go down deep in the scriptures, it gives you strength. It gives you a confidence. And when you hear all this anti-Bible talk and anti-Jesus talk and anti-God talk that Jesus said would come in the last days, when you hear all that out in the world, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't scare you because you're so confident in what you know the Bible says. And you walk in a faith, a deeper faith and a deeper knowledge. And how many of you know that good feelings are a wonderful thing, but you can't go by good feelings? I mean, yesterday... About three o'clock, I was shouting like a Pentecostal. How about that pack? (laughs) I hear you, girl. (laughs) And uh, I know you Carolina fans, I know when when y'all beat us in basketball, you're going to come back and say... How about that? Heels, them heels. Um, Today what we want to talk about is the fact that the tongue is a compromiser. Naturally, not under the control of the Holy Spirit, the tongue is a compromiser. Now look, I'm talking mostly about the people that are going to be in the next service. So y'all can give me some amens right here. The tongue is a compromiser. Amen. Amen. It's a hypocrite, really, because the tongue will say one thing at one time and turn around and say another thing at another time. Let's look at James chapter 3, and uh, now we're going to, we've covered verses 1 through 8. Let's go into verse 9 through 12, and let's look at that closely. Sometimes it, the tongue, praises our Lord and Father. Now, I know some of y'all find that to be a great relief because I haven't said many good things about the tongue since I've been preaching this sermon series, have I? But there's a good thing about it. But that's all he says. (laughs) And he says, sometimes. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. Now, who's been made in the image of God? All mankind. So it's talking about other people. Curses against those who have been made in the image of God. Now, how are we made in the image of God? Let me say that very quickly. There are many ways we're made in the image of God, but one of the ways we are made in his image is that he is a trinity and we are a trinity. God the, God the, God the. We're trinitarians here at this church. We believe in One God who reveals, manifests himself in three persons. You say, well, that's kind of weird. Well, if it is, then you're weird too. And we all knew it before you said it. But we are, what are we? We are a body. We have a body, physical body, fingernails and hair and skin and organs and all that stuff. So we are a body. We are a mind or a soul. We have a will So there is body, mind, and spirit, which is the seat of God. When you ask Jesus into your life, he comes into your spirit. There is a throne inside of you, and it belongs to him. 
Now, you can put money there. You can put uh, sexual activity there that is sinful. You can put power there. You can put drugs and alcohol on that throne. You can put whatever you want on that throne. And a lot of people do. But the throne in all of you, every single one of you, belongs to him. And you will not be fulfilled in life, not just go to heaven, but in this life, you will not be fulfilled until you kick everything else off that throne and let him come into your life and have a seat on that throne. Okay? So, so we are body, mind, and spirit. Now, the longer he is in you, comes in through the door of the, of the spirit of man, the longer he's in you, the more he affects your mind and the more he affects your hands and feet. So, so that's how the Christian life is lived. Let him in the door, get him on the throne. All of a sudden, as you study him and pray to him and get to know him, read his word, you'll begin to think like him. You'll begin to make decisions like he would make. You'll begin to do things with your hands that he would do, like arms around Princeton yesterday. And all of a sudden, your life that was really dead and had no meaning, and you were just going through the motions, all of a sudden, your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. Because every one of you were made by God to love him and to serve him and to live for him. And so if you're not... I don't even have to ask you how you're feeling. I already know. Because I've been there, done that, and bought a t-shirt. Amen, amen. How many of you out there before you found him and now that you found you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. So he says, verse 10, and so blessing and cursing, we're back to the tongue now. Look what he says. Boy, I'm telling you, James doesn't mess around. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, what does he say? <laughs> you know, James wasn't one of these little mealy mouth, you know, milk toast preachers. He, was, he didn't say, you, you might want to quit that. You might want to just stop. He said, this is not right. I like a preacher with some backbone, some courage, Stand up and say it like it is. He said, this is not right. And then he goes on. And one of the things I love about James and studying the book of James is that he uses a lot of illustrations, which you know I like to do that. And he uses a lot of illustrations. He goes into verse 11, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? And that means both drinkable water and undrinkable water. Can you get drinkable water and undrinkable water out of the same source? No. Then he goes on and says, can you pick olives from a fig tree? Or can you pick figs from a grapevine? And then he answers his obvious questions. The answer is obvious. No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. Now let's look at this passage and, and kind of break it down. First of all, he says, sometimes it praises the Lord and Father. Sometimes the tongue does a good thing. Um... What a wonderful thought it is this morning that your tongue and my tongue can be used to bless God, even the Father. Listen to me. One of the best ways, and we're coming up on the Thanksgiving season, but I gotta tell you something, every Christian ought to be in the Thanksgiving season all the time. Amen. Here's what's wrong with most of us. We're 
grumbly hateful rather than humbly grateful. I'd write that down if I was you. Honestly, man, I run into too many Christians that are grumbly hateful instead of humbly grateful. We need to be grateful. We need to be thankful. And when we are, you, this, I know this is mind-boggling, you bless God. You bless God. You can bless God, even the Father. And I'm so glad James put in there the Father because we have to keep remembering that the relationship described in the Bible that we have with him is he's a daddy, He's a daddy, and I'm telling you, both of my boys are grown men, but there's nothing that thrills me more than when they say things that I've taught them, principles and values that I've taught them, and I hear them, (laughs) excuse me, and I hear them articulate those values. And I hear them say to me, as their father, daddy, thank you for providing, or thank you for teaching me this, or thank you for being there for me when I needed you. That blesses me, and we get to bless God. Don't forget that it isn't just about him blessing us, but it is about us blessing him. The choir sung about that this morning. Worship. Worship. When you worship, it blesses him. He sits in heaven. Think about it. God on the throne sitting in heaven, listening to the songs of his children as tears roll down their face and they express thanksgiving and they express praise and they express adoration to him. Listen to me. It blesses him. The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul. You know that verse. And what? All that is within me. Bless His holy name. Can I ask you a question this morning? When was the last time you blessed him? You're always talking about him blessing you. Can I ask you something? When did you last bless him? You know what? Most of us, can I preach right here? Most of us don't have a lot to say to God unless we want something. I mean, I think it would just pretty much blow him away if one morning you got up and went to him and said, I don't really want to ask you for anything this morning. I just want to thank you and praise you for all you've done for me. Oh, that's maturity. That shows maturity. But you know how most of us are, as long as everything's going well, we just kind of say, you know, God is great, God is good. Let's thank him for food by his hands. We're afraid give us a little day of bread. Amen. That's our prayer life. But boy, you let us get in trouble. You let one of our children get in trouble. Or you let the doctor give us a bad report. Or you let the boss call us in and say, I'm about to lay you off. Oh, we're all up here in the altar. We're crying. We're weeping. I don't, I don't mind that. That's fine. But when things are going well, and even when things aren't going well, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. You say, but I've got needs. I've got needs. Listen, do you know that worship is really for your benefit more than his? You think God's on an ego trip and if people don't worship him and tell him how awesome he is that he gets an inferiority complex? No. You say, well, how is worship good for me? I mean, if I'm just telling him how awesome he is and I'm not asking him to help me, how's how's worship, how, how does it help me? I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. I just know when I lift him up, I get lifted up. 
When I lift him up, I get lifted right on up too. And, and, and it's like when, when I come to him in worship and blessing and adoration and praise, it's like when I do that, it just, all of a sudden, my faith that was down here for my prayer request, all of a sudden, when I get through worshiping him, my faith's way up here. So then when I bring my prayer request to him, man, I'm, I'm like I'm in the throne room. Worship brings you into intimacy with him. Worship brings you near to him. When you bless the Lord, it brings you up close to him. So when you get to your prayer request, man, your faith is through the roof and you're encouraged. That's why a lot of times when we ask for things and we leave off blessing the Lord, worshiping, that's why we just feel like our prayer life is so empty. I didn't mean to stay there that long, but that's an important part of this sermon. He said sometimes it praises and blesses the Lord, even our Father. When was the last time you, just simply, without selfishness, blessed the Lord? But James goes on, and he says that the tongue also is, uh, in the tongue there's duplicity. In the tongue there's hypocrisy. In the tongue there is treachery. The same tongue that blesses God is also known to curse those made in his image. The same tongue that blesses God also has been known to slander and criticize and accuse and abuse. And when people do these things, they often do it in anger and jealousy and envy and hatred and bitterness. Sounds like I'm talking about the world, but I'm not. James is talking to who? People in the second service, exactly. I looked up that word curse, kind of dug down into the original Greek language. It means, you say, well, I don't curse. I just don't curse. I'm just clean as a whistle. Let me tell you what the word curse means. It means to wish evil on somebody. Well, maybe I do curse then. I just, you know. <laughs> curse means to wish evil on somebody. And buddy James drops it on us in verse 10. He says, out of the same mouth of a Christian proceeds blessing and cursing. The Bible offers an illustration of this. As a matter of fact, it offers illustration after illustration. And not only do we see this truth in Scripture, but can I ask y'all something? Don't we just see it around us all day? Don't we just see it around us in the church? Don't point at anybody. But don't we? You say, it's kind of hard to say amen to, Pastor. Can I just help you all out? I do it. I do it. I know how to bless the Lord. And when my tongue's not under the control of the Holy Spirit, I know how to use it to hurt. I've done it. I've done that. I stand up here before, and y'all look real holy right now, I'm telling you. There's little halos all over the (laughs) congregation. The Pharisees, See, the Pharisees believed the Old Testament. Now, they added a whole bunch of their own laws to the Old Testament that had no basis in Scripture. What's that called? Legalism. But these Pharisees, in one breath, blessed Yahweh. They blessed Jehovah. But in the very same mouth of that Pharisee, they cursed and and cried for the death of Jesus Christ. I think about Peter. You know, we have an Easter drama here at Whitley Church. And there's this really, really young, good-looking guy that plays the part of Peter. (laughs) And they have to make him look old, and it takes hours of makeup to make him look old. 
Let me mention that that is me. Um, I love playing that part. I love doing that. I, I've really enjoyed that through the years. But, you know, Peter is a perfect example. Jesus asked the disciples one time, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say you're a prophet that is raised from the dead. Some say you're, you know, uh, Elijah. Some say you're Isaiah, Jeremiah, raised from the dead. Then Jesus said, but who do you, my followers, who do you say I am? See, that's really the basis of the next sermon series because he was talking to people that should know who he is, but in some cases, they didn't fully understand who he was. Now, Peter, and I, and I really, I think if you do some research, you'll find out his last name was Hardison, Peter Hardison. Because usually he said the wrong thing. Most of the time he had his foot in his mouth rather than on the ground, but on this day, Peter said, we believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I don't know what Jesus did, but I gotta think Jesus went, whoa, that came from Peter, you know? Perfect answer. And then Jesus said back to him, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, you did not reveal this self or find this on your own, but the Holy Spirit spoke this to you and revealed to you who I was. That same guy, Peter, Simon Peter, three days, a few days later, somebody said, I know you, you're a follower of Jesus. And the Bible says he used profanity. The Bible says with an oath, he cursed. He went back to his old life and his old ways and his old habits and cursed and said, I don't know the man. From the same mouth, blessing and cursing. Even the Apostle Paul, and maybe you haven't studied this very closely in Acts 23, but the Apostle Paul gets ticked off in Acts 23. How many of you know Christians get ticked off? It's all right to get ticked off. You just need to be under the control of the Holy Spirit so you get it tied down. But Paul here, uh, this, this high priest says something to Paul that is very demeaning and mocking and... and uh, the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote many of the books of the Bible and said some of the most awesome things. I've heard some preachers say, and I agree with that, probably the greatest Christian who ever lived other than Jesus himself. You know what, you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, the Lord smite thee. Wow. If anybody ever says that to you, run. Because he said, I hope the Lord would just strike you dead right now. What did I say cursing was? When we wish evil on somebody else. Paul lost it. Paul lost it. John MacArthur is a great Bible teacher, and John MacArthur says that Paul probably said some things right there that shouldn't have been written in the Bible because he was mad. He said, he called him a whited wall. He said, God smite thee, you whited wall. And, and if I called you a whited wall, you'd go, what? Uh, but, but, Paul called him, here's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you've, you've got it all right on the outside. He said, but you're black on the inside. I mean, Paul let him have it. So from the same mouth, mine, from the same mouth, yours, all of us comes blessing and cursing. And then in verse 10, he says, it's not right. And what James is saying is that, <coughs> excuse me, allergies. He says, any profane speech any 
ungodly speech that comes from the mouth of a Christian is a compromise. It's a compromise, it is inconsistent, and ultimately it is unacceptable to God. Now let me give you a process, and I've got to close this sermon out. Time's gone. God saved you. When God saved you, if it was a genuine conversion, I had a great conversation in the coffee shop this morning with an awesome couple that's coming to our church now and just blessing us. But we talked about true conversion. When there is a genuine conversion, not only are you saved from sin and get your little ticket to heaven, but there is a transformation that takes place in your life right then. Old things are passed away. All things become new. You become a new creature in Christ, a new creation. So when you're saved, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, then a transformation takes place. Now, a lot of things happen in that transformation, but one of the things that happens in that transformation is that you are given by God a capacity and ability for holy talk. Godly speech. I don't know how you talk before you became a Christian, but when you become a Christian, there is a transformation that takes place, and part of that transformation includes not just a new heart, but a new tongue. And you talk different. Can I preach? Don't come telling me all that Jesus has done in your life, and you talk just like you used to. That was weak, but I'll take it. Take anything I can get. I'm telling you, there is a capacity given to you when you are converted to speak right, and then God, because he knows he's put that capacity in you, he knows he's put that ability in you, it is a grace that he's given you. Grace, there are a couple of meanings of grace. One meaning of grace is unmerited love, undeserved love, but there's another Greek word in the, in the Bible for grace, and it is divine enablement. And what God did is he put a divine enablement in you when you became a Christian to talk right. And he expects you to talk right. He expects me to talk right. So when we don't, it's a compromise. When we don't, he can't tolerate it. Now in verse 11, and I'm not going to go into this, he talks about a spring giving up drinkable water and undrinkable water. He says that can't happen. He talks about olives being on a fig tree, can't happen. He talks about drawing fresh water and salty water from the same source, can't happen. By the way, can I just talk just a little bit about fruit trees? And... and let, let me just say this first. True believers, guys, listen. True believers are known by their speech. He says that if you've been transformed by Christ, your speech will show it. He says in the scripture very clearly, bitter words come from a place of bitterness in the heart. Critical words come from a place of critical, uh, uh, a critical place in the heart. Now listen, listen. One writer put, put it this way, and I wrote it down in my notes. This is a powerful statement defamatory, unloving speech comes from a heart where the love of Jesus is a stranger. Defamatory, unloving speech comes from a heart where the love of Jesus is a stranger. Now let's go to Luke chapter six and look at what Jesus said. Let's look at what Jesus said about this. In Luke 6, 43 through 45, 
Jesus said, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Jesus said, a tree is identified by the fruit it produces. Figs never grow on thorn bushes or grapes on bramble bushes. Now, have y'all ever, have y'all ever kind of voiced concern about something and some person who really doesn't know the Bible that well goes, don't judge, don't judge. And then they get King James Version on you. Don't judge, lest you be judged. <laughs> don't judge. Well, that's in the Bible, and that's right. But I gotta tell you something. If I'm looking at a tree and it's got apples hanging on it and I go, that's an apple tree, I ain't judging that tree. You can tell a tree. Y'all are brilliant. Look at verse 45. Boy, Jesus, talk about no PC. Talk about not being politically correct. Look what Jesus says. A good person produces good deeds from a good heart and an evil person produces evil deeds from an evil heart. I just don't understand that, the depth of it. No, man, that's right there, brother. We can teach this in kids' church. The kids get it. Whatever is in your heart determines what you Wow, wow. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you want to know what's in a man, listen to him. If you want to know what's in a woman, listen to them. Here's what I'm telling you. It doesn't really matter that you went to arms around Princeton yesterday. If you turn right around then and use your mouth in the wrong way, it ruins your testimony. Amen. Some people think, well, if I do a lot of good deeds for poor people, I can get over here and rip somebody with my tongue. Kind of balances out, you know what I'm saying? No, it doesn't. The Bible says that's hypocrisy. The Bible says in the tongue, there's compromise. In the tongue, there's duplicity. In the tongue, there's treachery. 1 Peter 3 and 10, he's quoting here from Psalm 34. Sometimes the New Testament guys quoted the Old Testament guys. And he's quoting David. He says, for the scriptures say, if you want a happy life, anybody here want a happy life? Three people. <clears throat> Let's vote again. Anybody want a happy life? People come up to me all the time. I'm just having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. Who wants to follow a Christian like that? Having a bad day. You know, we, th we lose it. We use that like an excuse. I'm having a bad day so I can rip everybody I want to because I'm having a bad day. Sorry about what I did to you yesterday. I was having a bad day. <laughs> You're laying over there bleeding, you know, where they just ripped you up. Sorry. <clears throat> so if you want a happy life, come on. You want not bad days but good days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil. Keep your lips from telling lies and you will have a happy life and good days. I don't know about y'all, but that's all the motivation I need right there. Christians will speak righteously and they must speak righteously. I wish I had time to preach on this. I really don't. But he says we will, but then turn around and says we must. Well, if I will, why does he say I must? Because you're involved in it. 
He says, if you walk with me and talk with me, and you know the old hymn we used to sing, he walks with me and he talks with me. Every, when you're in intimacy with God, you will talk right. But then he says, don't forget you will, but it is a command that you must. So your will is involved in what comes out of here. You know, you can't say something wrong and then go, well, Jesus just didn't stop me. <laughs> he didn't stop me. No, he says, you, you have that decision. You, that choice is in your court. Let me just close with this. Here's what's at risk if we don't get it together with our tongue, our testimony. Our testimony. The most valuable thing you possess as a Christian is your testimony. And if you do all kind of good things and do all and work in the church and, and, and minister and labor, but you can't get that tongue under control, People may not say it, but they think hypocrite. James says it. And we almost have the idea that if I really do things for God, and I really work hard for God, and I really get out there and serve and you know, make sure I'm a good person in the things I do, it doesn't really matter what I say. As a matter of fact, what you say either supports what you do or it destroys what you do. Isn't it a shame to work all those volunteer hours, but because you can't get this under control, the power of that is done away with. We gotta get this under control. Hey, listen, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about Farrell Hardison. Let the change begin right here in this pulpit with your pastor. Hey, y'all, I got red hair. Stuff comes out. I think David had red hair in the Bible, you know? Stuff comes out <coughs> before I, you know, I, I, just, I, I just, that's my nature. So I have to double watch out. I have to double be careful. I've been the pastor of this church 20 years. Most of the people sitting here go, yeah, I know a time you said something you shouldn't have said. And you know, everybody knows me. Y'all know me. I have that shortcoming just like you do, but we've got to pray and we've got to press in and we've got to get near to our Savior so that he empowers us to bring that tongue under the Holy Spirit. Remember the bridle? Remember the bridle of the horse? How the, how the tongue of the horse lays underneath that bit and that bit's like the Holy Spirit. Got to get our tongue underneath the bit so when God pulls this way, we go that way. And when God pulls that way, we go that way. Father, thank you. For your word, thank you for enabling me to talk right. Now, God, when you saved me, you gave me that enablement, and I thank you for it. But, God, I pray that you put in me a hunger to be drawn near to you, that I might be able to not just preach this and teach it, but walk it out. Because more than people listening to me, they're watching me. More than people coming on Sunday morning listening to Pharaoh Hardison, they're watching his life and listening to him Monday through Saturday. And if I get up here and say all the right things, but then Monday through Saturday, I'm saying all the wrong things, it ruins my ministry. It ruins my calling. So God, turn my life. Help me be more like you. In Jesus' name. Now listen, I'm gonna hang around up here at the front. If you want me to pray for you, I'll pray for you. Those of you who are our guests, pick up your gift right back there. But I'd love to meet some of you I haven't met. I'd love to pray with you. So I'll hang around up here. God bless you. Thank you for coming to Whitley Church. Don't forget to get some tags, guys, off the display. And let's get some toys for those children, okay? Bless you.